Are you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. doing this is rob foster with rbf fitness and nutrition public speaking is the number one fear in the world i started a business during the recession in 2009 here in the u.s People upgrade their iPhones, they upgrade their Androids, they upgrade their laptops, but they're operating with the same brain that they operated with for the last decade. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. I mentor people with master's degrees, with PhDs, and I help people who have been in business for a long time. I had deal with, with the nutrition store maybe a half mile away from my facility, and we, we cross-promote. You know, We help out to give our clients what they need. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point, Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. It's my first Friday show. This is episode number 41 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, the tank top wearing phenom himself, Robert B. Foster. So today we have another amazing guest. Told you each show, it's like every time the ante just keeps getting raised and raised and raised. The bar gets raised and raised. And Today is going to be no, no different. So, you know, the whole gist of the show is we talk about overcoming obstacles when life smacks you in the face. We teach you how to smack back, right? There's no, no, there's no nonsense. But, you know, we keep it motivational, educational, entertaining, and transformational. So, right? so you apply the things that we're going to lay out with you over this next hour. Your life can change, right? So you just have to be receptive to the teachings. So today, have you ever been out driving and you see these trucks that say 911 restoration. The guy that did that, he's here on the show this week. He's also an author. And part of his company's philosophies is we believe that every challenge, even every disaster, presents an opportunity to grow, create, and build something better. Whether that something is a home, a business, or a life. 
and I'll add on one more part to it. It can change your mental health. All right. So helping me have this conversation is hopefully I don't mess this up. It done. I I had it in the intro. I had it, you know, (laughs) and then the moment of truth came and I lost it. it. (laughs) Don, welcome. I love it. Good morning. (laughs) Happy to be here. Glad to have you. All right. So, so first, just tell us a bit about, about yourself, you know, where, where you're from, you know, what do you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, as you hear my accent, I'm originally from Israel. I grew Israel. up in, uh, yeah, I grew up in a small. It's called Mushav. It's like a farming area with uh, 48 families. Wow, very, very small community. Yeah, we had about you know three, four hundred people overall in the area that that we lived in. Okay. And right. um, the beautiful thing about the Mushav, it's where it's completely open space, right? So as a kid, I had the the freedom to walk around, explore, freedom to be on my own. So this was a great thing about where I grew up, barefoot most of the time. Yeah. Uh, what we did is, um, you know, we, agriculture most of our life, mo- most of my youth before I joined the Israeli army. So we grew, um, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers, eggplants, um, and this type of um, uh, vegetables. We had some fruits as well. So I definitely learned what is uh, hard work, the because yes. we've been out in the field working with my dad, this was a, a gift by itself. And um, yeah, life were great in a sense of freedom and, and a way that we can explore. But it was hard because we went through a lot of up and downs financially. To be a farmer, especially at that time, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. right? Because there's a lot of competitions. There's also, you know, there's a difference between being a farmer to being a businessman. So not a lot of people making that shift. And so they, yeah. would, you, would you say that, some characteristics of being a farmer translates into being a strong business owner? I, th- I think there is the part of hard work, right? Because you're out in the field, you know, it's hot days, cold days. You, you need to get out there in the morning. There's things that you have to do, right? But it's also that you develop some connection to the soil also. And, you, and, and, and I think there's another big part that unfortunately I don't see it with a lot of kids these days is actually see the process of, uh, you know, putting a plant in the ground, see it grows, nurture it, see the fruits comes, the vegetable comes, right? So as a kid, you see the entire process. So I think this is a gift that, um, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of kids doing it today. Mm, Very true. So what brought you to the U.S.? Oh, so right after I finished the Israeli army, um, you know, I worked for two months. I worked as a bellboy and as a gardener. And um, I start saving some money, but I knew I'm not going to go to school, right? Because the school, I failed in school. School was very hard for me as an experience, and I really didn't do good as well. So I knew I'm not going to go to a university. And, you know, we heard the stories about the U.S., you know, money grows on the trees, easy to buy a car, every house comes with a pool. You go to Beverly Hills, this beautiful life, some of the movies and everything. And I says, you know what? I'm just going to go there. So... Here we are, <laughs> eight years after. Nice. All right, let's actually back, backtrack to when you were in the Israeli army. What was that experience like? So that was a gr- hard experience, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Not easy, but it was a great experience in sense of if I learned what is hard work in the Mushav and where I grew up, the army really took it you know, two steps 
forward. I mean, the, the things that we need, needed to do, the mountains that we needed to climb, the, the weight that we needed to carry on our shoulders. So that really taught us that we can definitely do a lot more than we think we can do, right? I, I remember a time that, uh, you know, we finished three days of training and we're ready to go home. And then the commander come to us and say, you see the mountain? I want you up there in three hours. And we're like, there's no way we're, we're done. And he's like, and he proved to us, yes, we can. Right. So Love that man. mindset of working hard, staying focused, that was absolutely important. The other part of it was when we, and I was in a small uh, unit. So we really learned how to trust our team, right? When you're out there and you're doing, um, you know, whatever you need to do and you have a team of 12 or 15 guys with you, you, the, 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 the trust that you develop, the relationship that you develop, right? You're going through such a difficult time with a group of, of great guys. So you really learn how to develop this uh, brotherhood, if it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. To- total sense. Um, did you ever see battle? Uh, yeah, but uh, fortunately, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's well and good. So, yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. It's unfortunate. So it's not something that I'm supportive of, but uh, yeah, yeah. So just want to ask you something, you know, related to that because you know the the media shows what they want to show. So like, is it is it that tough living in that that area in the Middle East as what's displayed here on our televisions? No. So you know the TV news shows what they want to show. So they're going to get people joining to see the drama and the chaos. Yeah. So now in Israel, there's beautiful places to, to travel, to see. It's a, it's not even close to what you see on TV. So it's much, much safer. But what I will say, if, if you compare it to the U.S., you know, in Israel, we, we are surrounded, right? So there is always the worry. There's always the stress that something will happen. We just learn how to live with it. Mm. Here in the U.S., you you really feel safe. I mean, there's craziness that's been going on. Here. <laughs> True, <laughs> but put that aside. Overall, I mean, still we always say like with with all the difficulties and everything, we still live in the United States. Like, put things in perspective. Yeah. You are still in the United States of America, right? <laughs> so that people that live here, like, no, this is the end of the world, and what's going to happen, and this is a crisis. And when you come from a different country, it's like, with all the respect, we're still in the United States. So. Yes, I've had several several international guests on, and they've all said the same thing. They're like, you know, people don't understand how good you have it in this country. <laughs> like, you just don't understand. When I, I remember when I moved here, um, you know, I think our first week here, right, not knowing the language, not really understanding the culture, it was, and we're driving by a dealership. And we see cars that in Israel, it will be a dream to own the car one day, like a Ford Explorer, for example. Mm. And we drive by the dealership and we see a, a sticker on the car that says like $400. I'm like, you can buy this car for $400? No, it's $400 a month. I'm like, are you serious? Can you, I can just get this car and pay $400 <laughs> a month? And then there is people in, in America that don't have cars and having a hard time and hardship. Like when we came here from a different country, this was crazy for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's great. I'm, I'm glad I asked that because that's like a, 
a big a, a big stereotype because again we just get fed what we're fed here on tv yeah. i mean i was actually uh chatting with someone from ireland and they they would say the same thing like there's some craziness going on in the united states I'm like i mean i said there definitely is but the media definitely magnifies it oh yeah. <laughs> you know big time like there's a whole lot of good that goes on in this country oh, that just so gets much. overshadowed yeah it so gets much. overshadowed by the nonsense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god yes all right, so you you leave the Israeli army, and you make the decision to come to the U.S. So, what what was your first job when you got here? So we, because of what we did in the Israeli army when we got here, again we didn't know anybody, didn't speak the language, but we knew that there is an Israeli community here in the San Fernando Valley. So we just came here, hang out around, you know, Israeli food, Israeli markets, until we met somebody that that we can talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that we met was nice enough to introduce us to, to somebody that owned a carpet cleaning company. So now we went and we met with him and he is asking us, okay, how much do you know about the American culture? Do you speak the language? And like, no, we don't speak the language. And we got here three days ago, four days ago. It's like, okay, just because of the re- respect that, that I have for you, I'm going to give you a chance. Right? So he gave us a carpet cleaning machine um, with some, a chemical to, to clean the carpet mm-hmm. and we, he sent us on a day and a half of training and then it was here you go i'm sending you on on a lead and and good luck so this is really our journey here is starting to work in the united states <laughs> was very, yeah wow hey you gotta start somewhere right yeah, yeah. You see, start somewhere. yes see and the problem with us americans we get picky like we could be dead broke we'd be like i ain't cleaning nobody's carpet <laughs> you know, it's like there are so many jobs here that are just beneath us and then people wonder why people come from other countries they come here and they thrive yeah because you know? we don't again we don't realize how other how some other countries how people are living over there how they're surviving over there yeah yeah we That's- just fully fully take it for granted all right so you started on that journey and then just take me through like say the next three years so Clean carpet for about 12 months. And, you know, we drove around. This was a great opportunity. I mean, one of the things that really helped us grow faster uh, in the first 12 months is we rented a one-bedroom apartment with uh, five other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have no money for mattresses, so mo- no, no money for furniture. So we kind of slept on the carpet for the first few months. So... Every mor- morning at 4 or 5 a.m., we got up because it's uncomfortable and it's cold, and we just mm-hmm. drove to the city. So we were ready to take our first job before the office even opened up. Okay. As soon as the office opened up, it's like, who is ready for the first job? We are, right? I love and it. Five, six o'clock, when the rest of the technician drove back home, we didn't want to drive back home, so we waited in the city. So if somebody called to clean his carpet at 6 or 7 p.m., who is available? We're available. Right, <laughs> that we build, we build our reputation within our company that we are available. We're gonna go anywhere. We are committed. We are in it to win. So we got to the point that we we did so much work, and uh, that really helped us to start saving money, right, and start kind of uh, buying equipment and investing in our own equipment. And what happened in the kind of close to the end of the first year, we got a call for a flooded house. Now, we didn't know anything about restoration, blowers, dehumidifiers. We didn't know anything about it. Mm. We got to the house, and we, we saw a three-bedroom house, carpet, and it's flooded. So we started extracting the water. 
we charged six hundred dollar to for the extraction. We were super happy. We thought that we just we just <laughs> That's <worth> thousands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I remember we celebrated that night because the, that sale, and we went to eat Chinese food. This is how happy we were. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so oh, oh, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so what that now helped me see is like when we are extracting the water, a restoration company arrived half an after half an hour after us. And they walked in with blowers and humidifiers. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? I, I, don't, I didn't know that there's another part of that project. Mm. And so there's two things that we saw. First of all, they charge close to $15,000. So I said, like, okay, this is something very interesting here. The second part that I kept seeing in the market that the restoration company not, didn't really pay attention to the, to the customer, right? So think about it. If I'm a customer and my house is completely flooded, my biggest thing is my own stress. What's going to happen with me? How I'm going to pay for it? My kids, my house is upside down. I have this equipment here that makes so much noise. But the restoration company just walked in and out. Got yeah. the job as fast as they can, set up the equipment, got the signature, and out of there. And I'm sitting there with the homeowners, and I'm the one who kind of coming him down. Right. And like, it's going to be okay. I'm here with you. We're going to figure it out. I'm going to help you ask the right question and stuff like that. And that got me to think, okay, there's a great industry. It's a recession-proof industry. It's a lot of great equipment that used to dry the house, but I don't, see the, I don't see the companies really care about the customer. So I want to go into that market, but I want to be super focused on the customer experience. And this is where we came up with the idea of be the first start company. We want to be there for our clients. We want to be there for our team. So that's kind of what got me to go from the carpet cleaning business to the restoration business. Love it. That's a great, that's a great story. And for people just joining, right, we're here with Adan. He was born in Israel, served in the Israeli army, came here to America in search of the American dream, rented a one-bed apartment with five other people, and they got to work. They went to work. And so he, he was working in carpet cleaning, and an opportunity came to where he ended up crossing paths with a restoration company, realized that they weren't very customer focused. And that's a piece that he could add to his business. Yeah. All right. And so from so from there, you have that epiphany that, you know what, I can marry the two of these, focus on customer service and take this thing to the next level. Yeah. All right. So now be, before before we dig deeper into that, did you have any hardships along the way before you went to that flooded house? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, we, we didn't really know the language. Uh, we just to give you an example, when we parked the car on the side of the streets, we used to stop people to read for us the name of the days that we cannot park here. Ah, OK. So stuff like that. It was very hard for us. I mean, Meeting with people in the beginning, I mean, even going to the bank to open a bank account, we really had a hard time with, you know, learning the language, figure out the culture, see what, what's going on. Um, but we, we really had the mindset of we, we're going to work hard, right? Because where we grew up in the Israeli army, so we just kind of pushed through everything. So it, it was hard because... We didn't have money, right? I mean, when we came here, we had a thousand dollar, and uh, I mean, each one of us. I came here with a really good friend, so it's about two thousand dollar. We bought the Volvo, the, the Volvo nineteen seventy eight. This was our first car, our first <laughs> office for eight hundred dollar. Wow. 
Can you imagine with paying rent and not making really money in the first three, four, five months? It's yeah, it, it was hard. It was we enjoyed the challenge, but it was hard because you know uh, there's a lot of questions that are coming up. Like, are we going to stay here? Are we going to go back to Israel? Are we going to make money? How it's going to work? Right? The, I mean, we bought our food in ninety-nine cent store for the first, I think, four or five months. So. It's not fun, it's not easy, but the experience itself, I mean, now when I'm going back to it, right? Sitting with four or five other guys in the evening, everybody's broke. <laughs> We're buying, you know, <laughs> two bottles of wine in 7-Eleven for like $5, and this is how we celebrate and stuff like that. <laughs> it was hard, but it was, it, it was overall a very unique and good experience. Okay, so what kept you, what kept you here? What kept me here, the, the size, so when we thought, when we really start thinking about opening a business. I'm right? sorry, hold, hold on, is this your wife? No, my, my mom. She's oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> All right, go ahead, continue. <laughs> so when we, uh, ask the question again, I forgot the question, sorry. About so what so you know you had issues with the language with the bank account not making yeah. enough money eating at the ninety nine cent store so what kept you here what kept us are is is understanding that if we really want to go still look the, America it's really a land of opportunities you you really have the size of the market here is huge I think there's three hundred plus million people in the United States there is. Eight nine million people today in the United in in Israel. Mm. Even if I'm taking ten percent of the market of United States, I mean, think about the size. Yeah, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And the way I mean, the way the financial structure work here, there's so many benefits. There's really if if you really understand the system here and you work with the system, not against the system, you work with the system and you're working hard. There is no reason in the world that you cannot get to at least to a comfortable life. Yeah. We'll talk about the second part of it. Yeah. But just to, to, just to get your life to a point that you really not, so, not um, um, struggling every month, it shouldn't be hard here. Yeah. Right? I, if it's hard, it's because you, you're just, there is a lot of things that you need to deal with internally and then you need to go through the process. But... Bingo. Working hard and working with the, with the system here in the United States, you should you should not struggle. See, and and a big prop a big problem here is I was I had commented on a video that was talking about systemic racism and all that, and I, my comment was like, regardless of who you are, male, fe female, if you you don't want to identify, if you're you know black, white, you know from from a foreign country like none of that stuff matters if you have a vision if you have belief in that vision and the discipline to see it through doesn't yeah. and, and i got so much hate on that thread for saying that yeah. like like what is wrong with, with that sender what is wrong with instilling hope in people yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know no but but for yeah. some but for some americans that's the mentality it's like it's so much easier to just say i have no opportunity Opportunities. Like you just hit here, you we have someone who was born in another country telling you this is the land of opportunity, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we live in this country and we don't see it, 
Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but just people feel sometimes more comfortable being disengaged or being pissed off, uh, being negative about things. It's just, I mean, it's, it's easier because then you don't need to have a vision. I mean, people are scared of failing. Yeah. Right? So it's easier just, this is sucks, the system is not good, I'm failing and it's not because of me. Right. And yeah. this is really a very victim mentality. There you uh, go. Now, again, not putting anybody down, not blaming everybody, because sometimes we, we grew up in a house that this is what they're teaching us. We grew up, we're, we're growing up in an environment that this is what we learn. Right. So a victim mentality is not necessarily the fault of the person. Right. But the person need to recognize it and there start walking out of it. Right. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, see, it's about. It's about, like you said, recognizing it and then changing it. Yes. Because you have the power to say, this is what I taught. I'm not teaching my kids this. Exactly. You know, like, and that's the whole purpose of this show. That's why I named it Shut Up and Grind. <laughs> it's, like, it's like everybody has a story. Everybody does. Yeah. So, again, it can be racism. It can be sexism. It can be, you know, a tough upbringing. Dad was in jail. Mom was on drugs. I was adopted. I was abandoned. Like, everybody has a story. Doesn't yeah. matter. If you got vision, belief in the vision, and discipline to see it through, you can change the direction of your life. Yes, 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 yes. You know, absolutely. All right. So so now let's get back to We have the carpet cleaning company. You have the vision with, with the restoration company. What'd you do from there? So one of the things that really helped us is when we decided we want to start a restoration company, after we made that decision, one evening I'm sitting in a restaurant and I'm hearing two guys talking about Google AdWords, right? So there's a way to advertise online. You put an ad up and people can call you and click on it and get to your site. Now, I didn't have a site. I didn't know anything about the internet. Again, I, I didn't study any of it in school. But I heard that, and this was 2003, I think, 2002, 2003. And I'm yeah. going back home that evening, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go online, and I'm going to find what is this internet thing. How can we advertise online? So I went to Google, and I started researching. I spent about, I don't know, five, six hours, and then I set up my first ad on Google. I didn't have a website, so I just put a phone number on top of the ad. Right? That's it. <laughs> I wake up a day after in the morning, my phone ring. We got our first client. Nice. Okay, this thing is working. Yep. Every day after that, we got a call, we got a call, we got a call, we got a call. So we suddenly, our business, going from $250,000 a year to close to $3 million a year in less than two years. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that was crazy. And we were, I think, one of the first companies in the restoration space that advertise online here in the area. So wherever you went, I mean, we were always there. Yeah. There was no, nobody else competing. I, I remember people tell, telling me when we started, it's like, Idan, forget about the internet. Forget about Google. Stick to the yellow pages. Stick to the magazines. I'm like, I, I don't think so. I think there is something here. I don't know about these yellow pages. It's going to die. And uh, yeah. See, and it, I'm, I'm glad you said that because in, in my coaching program, I have one module that's all about assessing your support system because what you just said is it, spot on. Whenever you think or someone thinks they're onto something, there's always going to be other people saying, oh, that's not going to work. Don't do that. You should do this instead. Yeah. And, and I always say, don't listen to the ones who aren't doing it. 
Exactly. <laughs> right? The ones who, uh, exactly. it's, always, it's always the unhealthiest people trying to give healthy advice. <laughs> you know, always. You know, it's always the people with no money trying to give people financial advice. <laughs> exactly. You know, I just, I just kind of, kind of a side note. Um, last week, I spoke to a group of uh, about 20 kids, anywhere between 15 to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Right? And we talked to them about growth and potentials and ability to really get where you want to get in life. And one of the things that came up, and it says, okay, but, and the kids brought it up, but my parents tell, telling me that, that my parents telling me not to do it. My parents tell me that I have to do that. And I asked them, with all the respect and love to your parents, do they have experience in doing what they're saying that they need to do or not? I'm like, no. Okay. So exactly. love and respect your parents, but you don't need to listen to them when it comes to things that they don't know. Right. So even as kids, when we just in our home, right, we already start with this brainwash of what works or what doesn't work. Yes. The world is changing so fast, so fast, and it's just going to get faster. So you have to ride the wave. Don't be behind it. Yeah. And, and, and I've always wondered now, I'm no psychologist by, by any means, although it seems that I know a lot about it, but I'm not one, is like where, where in life is that switch? Because when, when you have children, you're always teaching them to do do great, get good grades, do great things. You know, and we yeah. celebrate everything. And somewhere along the lines, it's like we just cut that positivity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you know? I, I think even the positivity that we have as their parents is to some degree not that healthy, right? Because we need to nurture our kids. We need to give them a space for them to discover who they are. Like most yeah. of the parents that I know, they don't even know who they are. Yeah, right? true. I have, my friends, you know, anywhere between 40 and 50 years old, we all go through the process of figure out who we are. So who we think we are, if we don't know who we are, to tell our kids who they are. Right. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, let me expand on that. Right. Let, let me explain. that. You know, what's funny is we know who we are. We just got shoved in, into a box somewhere wow. along the along the, uh, along life. You know, because like, I knew because I told you, you know, before before we came live, I always wanted to be on TV. Like always. That was always my thing when I was younger. Like, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on TV. And then somehow I spent 20 years as a restaurant manager. <laughs> you know, so so like in inside i always knew that's what i wanted yeah. but there's somewhere along the the, the the path in life we lose the belief that we can actually get it yeah. then, we, then we do things like this and then we highlight stories like yours you know coming from from israel and then coming here you know living in a one-bed apartment with five other people making no money for for the first five months like and to where you are now in a multi-million dollar company like it's it's absolutely amazing that yeah. What what you took basically nothing came here with a thousand dollars in your pocket, and <laughs> to what you have now, it's an absolutely amazing story, and that's why why we do shows like this and highlight stories like yours. Yeah, yeah. So people yep. can understand that it's it's possible, right? Yeah. So, yeah. One one of the thing if, if we go back to the kids on and and you know for myself as well, it's. When I switched my focus from what I want to have to who I want to become, mm. then a lot of things shifted for me, right? Yes. Because 
it's when I, because again, we're just starting with the story. There's the second part that I overstretch myself and, you know, it doesn't matter how hard I worked. I end up making the same amount of money. I went through more partnership. I went to more opportunities and I overstretched. And, and that helped me really go on a journey to look internally and stop chasing, stop trying to change our world, the world outside of me because one day I, I kind of woke up and I says, listen, it, I, I work so much harder. I do so much more, but I'm stuck at this point of what's going on. This didn't make sense to me. And the ability to, and then I heard the sentence that somebody told me like, before you're trying to figure out the world outside of you, try to figure out the world inside of you. And that took me on a crazy journey. Of, I mean, I'm still on that journey. I still have huge goals, huge things that I want to keep uh, you know, growing as a person and, and, and getting to. But uh, that really is a big shift. It's really working on yourself and, and start seeing the limited beliefs that, that we have. So we took, well, I mean, I'm single now, but when I was with my, my ex, we took the kids down to Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. And so we're driving through. I'm like, this dude was so famous. He has a town named after him. He has a museum. He has, he has a street. He has a complete theme park. And uh, just, just going right down the list. I'm like, that's, that's, a le- that's an amazing legacy. <laughs> you know? And I was like, damn it, I want museum status. And I was like, it's like I'm not going to get museum status working in a restaurant. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not. <laughs> like, I'd have to invent a new type of food in, in order to get that. You know? And I'm not knocking that, that industry. But, like, you know, we're all going to pass away at some point. So it, it's a matter of what's going to be left behind. Yes. You know? And, and like, in, you know, Milton Hershey did something so amazing that he has all of that around him. So, like, yes, absolutely, who, who do you want, want to become? And that's going to decide what you leave behind for others to follow. Yes, the person that you want to become will have everything that you want to have. The only reason that we don't have what we want to have is because we're not that person yet, right? So it's working on ourselves, developing our skills. But also what I found through my own uh, journey, it's also my time here. You know, before I'm passing, I, I found a way to have, I mean, more compassion, more love, a, a meaningful relationship became a core of, of the way I look at, at business, adding value, uplifting people. And that completely changed my experience here. So instead of chasing all the time, you know, I find more love, more compassion, more togetherness, more, um, you know, brotherhood feeling with my team. Yes. I mean, when I started the process, when I started the journey, I met one, one of the guys that have been six years ahead of me in that process, right? All the spiritual search and meditation and goes deep within. Mm-hmm. Told me, Dan, you're going to see one point. You're going to even love your kids more. I'm like, okay, I love my kids from the second that they were born. How can I love them more? Yep. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I mean, 10 years now, it's like you, you, you just experience love differently yeah right so it's it's absolutely there so even before we live we live this world there is a much deeper and more profound way to experience reality today right and that really that's really i think the key of everything forget about money forget about anything else of course it's good we want to get but that's really the core of everything yes 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because any funeral I've ever been to, no one's ever mentioned money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not one. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so now you marry you marry the two companies, and so I know in two thousand four you bought your boss's company. So, like, let's talk about talk about the process that led up to that. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would just love to buy their boss's company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Yeah. The experience for us were different because we were so. At, at that point, we eighty percent of the work that we did was water and mold and fire, right? So we owned the equipment, uh, we had a great relationship with the clients, right? And we we said we don't want to do the carpet cleaning anymore because we really want to focus and start building that brand. And the guy that that we work with says, "Listen, I want to stay in carpet. I mean, anyway, I'm kind of done with the business. I wanna I want to be out of it." And um, so we worked out a deal. And uh, it was pretty smooth transition. It was very easy. Because, um, again, it was kind of the end of his story in business. We yeah. went through the big change. He just didn't want to deal with it. So we worked something out. And we, we took over. It was a small company. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then we started building it. I mean, one of the things that we wanted to we think, two guys, heavy accent. Uh, at least we want to be able to say that, you know, we, we own a company that's been in the market for X amount of years. Right, so we're not brand new with everything, right? Yeah. With our accents and everything, so <laughs> that worked well. Yeah, so we grew into the restoration business. Um, Think went pretty well. Uh, again, a lot of learning, a lot of fast learning. Can you imagine how? I mean, we have zero business experience, um, and then suddenly going from one truck to two truck to five truck to six trucks. Suddenly, how do we manage cash flow? The business work, the business, I mean, the growth was so fast. And then we, we have no experience of how do we manage cash flow. And then we, sometimes we've been seeing ourselves, we have great months of sales, but there's zero profit. Like, where is the money? How do we control it, right? So there's a lot of things that we needed to face really, really fast. So that was a very hard but good learning experience. Then when Katrina happened, 2005, mm-hmm. we went to Katrina. Right at that point, we had a few trucks. We have a lot of equipment, so we went out there. Beside the part, it was devastating to see the suffering. I mean, the people was really ugh, yeah, I'm sure. Crazy. Yeah, the the other part is at night. Most of the re- restoration company hang out together, right? So there's a one park that we kind of park the RVs or we put a tent out. And what I learned there is most of the restoration company, most of the owners that I met, average about you know. Four hundred to $700,000 in sales. And they've been in the business for 10, 15 years now. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? I'm mm-hmm. new in this country. I barely speak the language. I'm doing close to three, $4 million a year now. What's going on here? Yeah, These guys are great guys. They're really passionate about the trade itself. They care about the clients. Uh, but what I noticed that they are so busy talking about the equipment, the way they set up the van, how they clean the houses, how they extract the water. And my main focus is sale, strategy, culture. How do we build this thing, right? So I ask a lot of questions about how do I build the business? And they keep giving me answers about the equipment, about Mm -hmm. how to work with the insurance company. And then I notice that there is a different view on the business, right? There's still the trade mindset. And I said, okay. If I know how to generate leads and I do it online, that means that I can generate leads anywhere. Yep. These guys are great guys. They can teach me more about the trade itself. 
So how can we work together? So I went back to LA and I spoke with, uh, with my team and then with my lawyer. I says, listen, I want to do something with these guys. How can I work with them in agreement that I'll provide leads, I'll provide support, and then we'll get to the point that we're pushing the same culture, the same idea all around the US. And he told me, oh, we're done. This is a franchise. Now, I didn't know anything about franchise. Mm. I never thought about the franchise. It was never in my mind. So I spent a few months really learning about franchise, how it works, spent time with the lawyers, started the process with some of the guys. And then we decided I want to franchise the company. So we started with a few guys, proved the concept, you know, spent a lot of time training, supporting them, being on the phone with them, really understanding the processes, really understand the support, really understanding how can we make the be the fresh start, the core of the company, how can we start teaching it to other people? And um, yeah, and this is how we became a franchise. That's amazing. So one reoccurring theme here is you didn't know a lot of stuff in the beginning. So just coming here, not knowing the language, you know, not really knowing or understanding the culture, even though we have 15 different cultures in in this country, but, you know, not having enough money to, to really live comfortably. So sleep, sleeping on floors, you know, not you didn't really know about the restoration side of the business and and you figured out a way to in, to integrate it. You know, not really knowing about opening the bank accounts and, the, you know, the other business things that, that you needed to know, but you figured it out. You yeah. said you had no business experience, but you figured it out. You focused on building your business. You focused on becoming successful. You never thought about franchising. So you learned about it. You figured it out. Yeah. And, you know, and that, like, and that's, that's the perfect essence of this show shut up and grind that's what you did you you could have complained about your journey you could have complained about not having enough money you could have complained about sleeping on the, on the floor in your apartment but you didn't you you went to work and you figured it out and i got to tell you i applaud you for that like this i mean we we still got 20 minutes to go but like you you've already you've inspired me <laughs> I, i'm going to i'm going to get off this podcast i'm like I'm, i need to write pitches i need to do this i need to make this connection <laughs> so this has been great so far all right so now you get the franchise up and running and then take me through the next phase yeah now the next phase was really a huge lesson for for me because at that point we right and this is where how much you believe that you deserve as a person right so when things start going good for us when we start seeing the franchise and that business we start you know and it's very unconscious it's really deep in instead of staying our course we start going into other partnership because i knew how to do marketing online right? I knew how to start a franchise. I knew how to sell. I knew how to start working with software and things like that. So it's okay. So let me start now partnering with other businesses. So I partner as a marketing company with with retail stores and I build software for some other companies because I already have the team in place. So what I did, I started stretching myself way too thin, right? And it's all about, I need to make money. This is what I need to do. I need to create all this partnership. I need to do that. I started investing in real estate. I flipped houses. All the things that I did. I mean, it's good. Exp- I mean, it's. I'm thankful that it happened because it got me to where I am today. But at one point, I almost lost everything. Mm. Everything. When the real estate market crashed, this was after I flipped houses and I put a lot of investment into commercial buildings. Oh. Right. The partnership that I... I, I, I 
put, I really stretched myself way too thin. So there's a lot of things that I did was just because I, I know today, I know the explanation of it, then I didn't know, right? I suddenly thought, oh, if I have success here, I can have success anywhere, right? But unconsciously, I, what, what's going on in my head is like, I don't deserve it. So I need to find a way to ruin my own success, right? Mm-hmm. Today, and then I didn't see it. Yeah. And then I, then I really went through, uh, there was a few years that I basically gave up on all of my partnerships, right? At one point when I realized that I went to some of the partners, I said, listen, the business is yours. I don't care what is my part. I, I don't want to hear about it. I wish you all the best. I'm out of the business. I need yeah. to focus. I need to do one thing really, really well. So I went through Three years of really, I mean, a serious hardship. At that point, I was married. We had a twin girls. Suddenly, I'm fighting myself with, you know, I'm having a hard time to pay the mortgage. Loss of the buildings, have huge loans that I need to pay. My business is struggling. The the, the franchise is not growing as fast as it needs to grow. So suddenly, I'm going through this life-shaking event. Uh, There's a lot of stress, a lot of hardship. But I'm so thankful it happened. I'm so thankful it happened because that really made me uh, look internally and like, what's going on here? Why, how, looking at my journey, right? Um, right, drawing my journey, see how I made my decision. But what I did, I also faced my fears. Mm. I didn't run away from my fears. So when I see my own limited beliefs, when I start seeing where, where it came from, when I start seeing my, the metrics that I live in, instead of running the other way, I went full force into my fears, into where I felt that I have a lot of confidence. I, I realized that my confidence is not really built on my self-value. It's built on my external world, right? Um, my relationship in my life. I saw what is what what is based on, right? My relationship with my team, that is not, so I start seeing and I'm facing all this pain, but every time that I face something, it's transformed. Mm. And then I realized that just shine light on your fears. When you have a fear in front of you, walk through it. And I started with small changes, really small changes over a long period of time. So I changed the way you know, what I do when I wake up in the morning. I start practicing appreciation. I start doing meditation. I start reading all the self-help books. I change a lot of my relationship. I change my environment. I understand that I'm responsible to 100% of my life. If it's good or if it's bad, it's all my responsibility, right? So when, when you live that way, it's like, okay, I know that I create the good and I create the bad, but both of them are good for me because there's so much that I'm learning from the bad, right? The bad is here really to show me, the universe is showing me, Idan, we want to shake you up a little bit. Your future can be so much bigger, but you have to go through this trans- transformation. All right, let's let's expand on, on that because that's, that's amazing and you're so right. And so many people go through that. I went through it through it myself. But, you know, three years of hardship, struggling, struggling in your relationship, franchise not growing, you know, having limited beliefs. But the whole the whole key sentence in there is you said you faced it. 
Yeah. You faced it head on. And too many times people don't face it. They let it consume them. They try to bury it with alcohol, drugs, you know, sex, like there's so many other, you know, food. And they just try to bury it. And then all you're doing is you're slowly just speeding up the onset of death. <laughs> that, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah. But but the thing that you said, which I highlighted up on the screen, was to shine light on your fears. Like that is a, like I'm probably going to turn that into a meme. <laughs> it's like shine light on your fears. That's I mean, I can't even really express how powerful that is yeah so you were going through all of that and the way the a majority of americans think you know you probably could have just threw in the towel and people would have would have ju- justified it for you oh well you know you were going through this and you had to take care of your, your relationship and you had to do this yeah. and but nope you blocked out that noise you said you know what this train's still moving forward yeah that's yeah. amazing that's amazing all right so you faced your fears and just talk about the process of just getting through all those hardships. Yeah, so it was, look, it was very hard. Um, I mean, really so blessed that I have my family to support me, right? So my wife is there with me. I mean, suddenly I'm going through weekends that I'm depressed <laughs> because it's just not easy. Like there's some things that you don't want to realize about who you are and like what got you to where you are. And, and there, there's one thing that I kind of, start looking at it, I call it an emotional DNA, right? So we talk a lot about DNA. So I'm looking about the emotional DNA. Like yeah. where, did, where did I get the idea of relationship, my relationship to money, my relationship to my wife, relationship to my kids, and really seeing all that. Um, when I start, right? So I call it in one of the books, I talk about the journey from a victim to a creator, right? So how you go through that process. So I started with everything is happening for me. I'm, I'm stuck. Everything sucks, right? And then, I, then when I start going through some changes, it's like, okay, I believe now that I can make some changes. There's some lights here, right? Because I start changing my practices. I'm seeing my mood change. I'm start seeing some relationship shift. Then I went to a place of, you know what? I, I know I can make some changes. You know, I, can, I know I can make, you know, I see that I make changes and things are happening. And this is where, where you go from victim to you believe to you know. And then one day you wake up and you say, okay, I can really create my life. Yeah. I can really decide what is important to me. And I can start designing the person that I want to become to be aligned with the way I want to experience life. So putting value first, putting meaningful relationship first. Right. So taking money out of the center of my life because my identity, my sense of security was based on how much money, what can I buy? And when I shifted in my sense of existence based on my ability to learn, my ability to evolve, my ability to deeply connect with people that I love, then suddenly you feel free. You feel empowered. There is a flow that works with you. And when that is the center, Everything becomes so much easier, <laughs> so much easier and so much fulfilling, right? And at that point, I mean, once I really advanced through that process, my businesses just took off in, in a crazy way. I mean, everything just start falling into place. The right people are coming in because your sense of self is going up. You love who you are. You start nurturing yourself. 
right? So my relationship with my with my wife, with my kids, with my with the friends that I really care and connected with, everything starts really evolving and and getting so much deeper and meaningful. And when you do it every day, you have so much energy, right? I don't need to pretend. I don't need to try to fit in. Mm -hmm. I'm just being me, right? And I'm there with people and things are just working. Yeah. That's a beautiful journey from victim to creator and everybody can do it. There's nothing special. It's just facing your fears. Just go through that process. Start making small changes over a long period of time. What drives me crazy is when I see people setting up these crazy goals and they want to be there in 30 days, mm. right? I see business owners that making 300000 a year and they want to make $3 million by the end of this year. I'm like, listen, this is just not fair for yourself because you don't give yourself enough space, right? So stop overestimating what you can do in one year. Right, because we overestimate, but then we underestimate what we can do in five years or ten years. Mm. So people are sometime and listen. This is exactly how I was: is too too much of like a short short mindset kind of things. Like I need I need it now. If it's not going to happen now, it's not good. I'm going to give up. No, this is where we're going to build the next ten years. Yep. Right, and this is how you can get to where you want to get. So work hard but have patience at the same time. So, so true. Spot on. 100% spot on. But again, out of everything you just shared, the biggest takeaway that I got was once you realized everything was your fault. Yeah. That's when the things changed. Because too many times, it's all about this. Yeah. But I'm not here because of this, because of that, because of this one, because of that one. Once you internalize it, and, and again, I'm guilty of it. Of myself, like, oh, you know, my my ex held me back, or this boss held me back, or this happened because of my business partners, and and then fi- finally, it was like, you know what? It's like I'm here because I put myself here. Yes, it's like I allowed the ex to hold me back. I allowed the business partners to do that to me, and it's like, like once I finally said, you know what? I just need to just put everything out in the universe. This is what I did. This is Rob Foster. The good, the bad, the ugly. This is all of it. Yes. Once I put it out there, it's like, you know what? Now I can move forward. Yes. You know, now I can move forward. So people can ask me about any aspect of my life. Said the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'll share it because I have nothing to hide. It all shaped who I am. It all shaped it. And now I can just charge forward. And then then you take all of those bad, you know, how we started this, talking about your journey and the struggles that that you went through to get to where you are. So I just take those parts of my life. Yes, I, I was here. I did this. You know, I climbed up. Then I did this. And it's all part of part of the journey to the way you are. Yeah, look, we're all going through our unique experience. We're all going through whatever we need to go through to evolve, right? I, I really think that we are here to evolve. This is This yeah. is my core belief. Like, we need to evolve. We're here to grow as a human being. We're here to impact other people. We're here to really enjoy life. You know, we all want to be happy, right? Yes. So instead of making happiness as an abstract thing, think what is the thing that you can do every day that make you happy? Like I'm sure yes. if I'm going to ask you, like what makes you happy? Uh, being with great friends, okay. Going on a walk in, in the morning, making whatever, right? So yep. just focus on the things that make you happy and happiness will come, right? If if a uh, a huge thing that I wish I see more people. I mean, this is something that had a huge impact on my life. Practice appreciation. Yeah. At least 
there's two people. I think there's every second two people are dying. That there's two people. Two people just died. Two people just died. Two people just died. Yep. And we are still here. Yep. This is pretty awesome. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> two people died. We're still here. This is a good place to be. So practicing appreciation, really focusing on what you do have, right? Yeah. Your health, being here, breathing. Just appreciate it because that immediately will put you in a, in, in, in a better mindset. When you're in a better mindset, you see more opportunities. When you're not in a good mindset, you see more difficulties. Yep. So just the idea of putting yourself in a better mindset by practicing appreciation, just that by itself will open up more opportunities. See, and let's illustrate straight there, right? So for the people listening and even you right now, I want you to focus on a yellow car. Just, just get it in your mind. Focus on a yellow car. And I guarantee for the rest of the day, you're going to see every yellow car you drive by. Every single one. And it, it's that easy. So, like, that's just to, to illustrate straight his point. When you focus on the good, you see good. You focus on bad, you're going to see bad. And yeah. if, all, if all you're projecting is that negative energy, guess what kind of energy is going to come back to you? It's going to be negative. All right. So we got about five minutes left. All right. So you went through that whole journey and you wrote a couple books. Let's talk about those books. Yeah. So even the books, so my, I'm looking for ways to keep expanding myself because I see it's all about facing my fear. So if you ask me a year ago, if there's any chance that I'm going to write a book, the answer is absolutely no. Right. <laughs> so when uh, COVID started, kind of like your, your story, I'm thinking, OK, how can I add more value? How can I even push it down harder? You know what? Let let me try write a book, even though it sounds crazy to me. So I sit in front of the computer. I says, you know what? Just, just write a few chapters. If somebody is sitting in front of you and you want to share with them a little bit, how would you go about it? And I broke it into chapters. The day after I come and spend another hour, day after another hour, another hour, ten days after, I have a book. So that's how really the idea of the book started. Nice. And so I wrote the first book is Get Out of the Track and How to Build a Business of Your Dream is really showing business owner how to look at their business as a system. The second book is really all about mindset, right? And this is, I have the book right here with me, right? The idea of how can you evolve over a long period of time is really summarizing. It's not really summarizing, it's expanding on the conversation that, that we had today is who you are, what you care about, who's the person that you won't become, and how can you start nurturing yourself and making small changes over a long period of time, right? So this, this is the second book. And then when you go to get out the track that life, I created a, a lot of short videos. We have about 35 short videos, I think, right? Talking about building a company, transforming your mindset, going through evolution, and even the videos, I mean, Four or five years ago, my biggest fear was to speak in front of people. Mm. Biggest fear. And I just pushed myself through it. I, I made myself go. I, I mean, I really forced. I remember the first time that I drove to meet with a group of 10 people that I set up my, myself to speak with them. And the entire way I'm sweating, my mind is like, turn back there, come up with a story, come up with a story. You're not going to do it. So I just, I, this is this is part of the process. So I'm still in that process, right? So part of my personal growth as I'm expanding, I want to share more, right? I want to express who I am. And, and really there is a lot of great business owners out there that are just stuck in the truck 
and um, they're great people. And I really think that if they will introduce new discipline into their life and into their business, they're really going to be able to get out of the truck and really build the business that they want to build, that they want to own and live the lifestyle that they want to have. I believe that if a business owner does well, you know, the family do well overall, right? There's less stress. There's more love. They have more freedom. And that really impacts also the community that they're in. So if people really adopt the be the fresh start attitude, that will have an impact on their families, on their team, on the community. And this is something that I'm very passionate about. That's that's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And I really think here's an idea, because like I'm a visionary. My mind's always going. Good. For book three, <laughs> right? For book number three, you should write something towards for people who like don't have a college degree. Oh, because <laughs> here in this, cause like I don't have one. I dropped out of college three times, <laughs> and but so, but here it's like pounded down your throat that if you don't have a college degree, you're doomed to be flip, flipping burgers flip, or pumping gas for the rest of your life, and that's so not the case. Like just going through your journey for this last hour. Like, that's just what kept swirling in, in my mind. I said, let me wait till we get to the topic of his book before I throw that out there. But just what you went through, you could you could write an entire book on that and just gear it towards people who just think that they don't have any options in life. Right? Yeah. You came here with a thousand dollars in a dream. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much that's pretty much what it boils down to. A thousand dollars in a dream. And here you are now. You know, it's an amazing, amazing journey. And thank you for joining us and sharing it. Absolutely. Thank you. That's My, been pleasure. Fun. My yeah. pleasure. So you guys can get a copy of this book here. It's the links up on the screen. Let me put it in the comment section as well. All right. So it's get out of the truck dot life. All right. Don, give us some final words. No, I just, you know, I wish for people to, you know, kind of the same as my own journey, everything that happened for you, good or bad, it's happening to teach you something. So get out of the victim mentality and start really seeing how the universe want to help you. There is a way to make it happen. And yeah, that's it. All the best. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you very much for jo joining us. Um, don't, don't sign out. Okay. You got it. All right. All right. Take care. All right. So another great episode. Number 41 is in the books. Tell me if you guys were not inspired by that journey or if you joined in late, Go back, spend the hour, and just listen to a Don story. It's it's absolutely amazing. So whenever we want to talk about the negative things that go on in this country and how there's lack of opportunities or, or whatever, his proof, his man is an Israeli immigrant who came to this country with $1,000 in a dream, and he built a multi-million dollar franchise. So th if that's not the epitome of shut up and grind – I don't know what is. <laughs> so again, thanking Adon for joining us, sharing his stories, sharing his experience, drops lots of knowledge. I got an entire page of notes <laughs> from the things that I got from, from his, from his uh, talk with us today. You know, get that book, get out of the truck life. Um, you can reach, uh, I forgot to ask him about, about his, his social circles, but you have his name there. So look him up on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm sure he's on all of them. And if you want to pick his brain, Pick his brain. So that's why I have him on the show so he can share his experiences with you. So feel free to reach out. I'm sure he'd love to uh, to help help you talk some things through. All right. So that's all I got for you. As you guys know, I always say it. 
There's always going to be mountains in front of you. You got to make yourself stronger to climb it. All right. That's the essence of shut up and grind. Have yourselves a great day. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.